Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension in Macomb, Illinois. And we have got a great show for you today, folks. We are talking about seed saving. And we are joined, as always, by our co-host, Katie Parker, local foods educator in Adams County. Hello, Katie. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Can't complain. A little dry, but you know what? It's it's August, and I feel like that's what it should be right now. Right. How's homeschooling going? Well, frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone's learning the technology right now. Us kids, teachers, IT professionals, we're all going through it together. It's been a blast, so yeah. There you go. Everybody's learning. And speaking of homeschool teacher, we have horticulture educator Ken Johnson in Jacksonville, Illinois. Hey, Ken, how you doing? Hello, Chris and Katie. I'm doing good. How are you? Ah, can't complain. But but you are also doing the homeschool experience with your kiddos, right? Yes, we are doing the e-learning. And so I have a new thing to add to the resume. Third grade and kindergartner teacher. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. <laughs> I have to go get my resume out right now. Are you guys going to um, allow your kids to rate my professor online? Uh, <laughs> I may not like the results of that. <laughs> <laughs> rate myself, yeah. <laughs> well, folks, you know, the world is embroiled in controversy. And the other day, things have just blown up in the horticulture world. Ken gave me an earful. He's just very upset, I can tell. He wanted to talk about this, the Rose Garden controversy. Have you heard about this? The idea that the Rose Garden landscaping at the White House has been flipped. There's a new design out there uh, revealed by the administration, and it seems like everybody is upset. But what about a horticultural, scientific design, unbiased point of view, folks? What do you think? Ken, are you thinking that the new design is better, worse? Where do you come at it from a horticultural standpoint? So I, I will preface this with, I am more a fruit and vegetable person than an ornamental person. Um, but a lot of, one of the big complaints that I've seen about the new design is that they took out uh, the crab apple trees. Um, and everything I've read is that they were, they were dug up and they will be planted elsewhere, so they weren't cut down. Um, but one of the things with crab apple trees is that those are not incredibly long-lived trees. Um, from what I had seen, the trees were planted um, by, by Jackie Kennedy in the 60s. Um, so those trees are around 60 years old or so. So they're probably getting up towards kind of their peak life span. A lot of those trees are 50, 75 years. It's, it's kind of a typical lifespan for some of those smaller uh, flowering trees. So that's kind of one thing to keep in mind. That could have been one of the reasons why they, they wanted to take those out. I don't really know. Um, and another thing, the controversy is, you know, there's a lot of color. There's not as much color in there, but when you look at the pictures, kind of the pictures that are the old pictures that they're comparing to are in the spring when you have all the tulips blooming. Um, and the, the other picture, kind of the current picture is right now. So you're comparing a summer and a spring picture with each other. So you've got different plants out there blooming. Um, so that could be another reason why there's not quite as much color in there. You're just comparing two different times of the year. And yes, folks, you know, Ken, he was, wasn't really upset. He, he could probably care less <laughs> <laughs> unless there were insects there. And then, yes, yeah. that's, and then we get concerned. That's right. 
Um, and definitely, as Ken said, you're sort of comparing two different times of year. It doesn't quite quite make sense, and and it's totally two different types of design. The uh, in terms from a from an architectural standpoint, you know, the, the White House is kind of neoclassical, this new classical type design. Uh, the previous design, they, as Ken mentioned, they had uh, these ornamental trees lining the walkway, which sort of enclosed it, made it a bit more intimate, but it didn't emphasize the architecture. And there's designers that go both ways. Sometimes they want to create a more intimate space. Sometimes they want to emphasize the lines that are occurring in the architecture. And this new design seems to be doing that. Really elongates that space just visually, and it emphasizes the architecture. And so, folks, it's gardening. It's nothing to get your blood pressure up about. Well, folks, to become the saviors of seed, we have our special guest with us today. Uh, coming at us all the way from Cook County, up in that northeastern corner of Chicago, we have Jaminy Balsad with us. Uh, Jaminy is a horticulture educator, also with U of I Extension, and she is here to uh, just give us all of the wonderful information for saving seeds after, I think it's been a, a pretty lucrative growing season in a lot of gardens around the state. So, Jaminy, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Well, we are happy to have you here to tell us all about the things that we can do to help maybe uh, take a taste of this summer into next summer uh, by, by uh, kind of explaining about how we can save seed. But as is protocol on this show, you are a new guest, which means we got to know a little bit more about you, the horticultural educator. And so we want to learn more about you. Jaminy, why extension? Why horticulture? Why plants? Why this? What in your background drove you to the career that you're in right now? That's a really good question, Chris. I feel like I get that a lot. Also, especially working with youth and high schoolers who are interested in plants. And I really just want to share that I have been obsessed with plants and gardening and nature and growing things for as long as I can remember. So it's always been a big part of my life. I loved helping my parents in our vegetable garden growing up. Eventually they gave up because I was always trying new things, experimenting with new seeds and trying to start my own seeds. And so I eventually just took that over, which was really amazing and fun to do. Um, I was also really conscious about the environment, so I studied plant biology as an undergrad. I'm from Michigan, and um, also crop and soil science in grad school. So after grad school, I realized that I didn't really want to be in um, the research professor world, and that I really wanted to share about the things that I knew um, with people because I think it's really exciting and really fun and learning about the natural world, how to grow your own food. It also really fosters this appreciation for the environment. And I just really wanted to be a part of that journey with um, people as they learned. Well, Jamie, I've always enjoyed listening to your presentations and you know, you, you're doing a lot of teaching these days, but you also do help lead up a, a an online effort. It's known as the the Four Seasons Gardening Series, and um, so it, as part of that that teaching effort that you do uh, is allowing a lot of us other educators and, and facilitating 
that educational moment. And so uh, you have a new fall series coming up, and I think I might actually be the first one talking on September 15th. I'm talking about hardscaping. Um, uh, Jamie, anything else you want to tell uh, folks about uh, the upcoming series? Yeah, so the Four Seasons Gardening Webinar Series is free, it's online, and it's open to anybody in Illinois or even around the U.S. or around the world. We've gotten some people from other countries before, but the webinars just follow topics that have to do with gardening, home landscaping, and so thank you so much, Chris. We're really excited for your program in on September 15th. This fall, we also have a program by horticulture educator Bruce Black on creating a bottle terrarium. And um, Ryan Pankow, who's going to teach about the history of forest pest outbreaks. So check out our website, go.illinois.edu slash four seasons. And for the, the reason why we, we really want you here, because I, I, have all, I have this vegetable garden growing things I've never grown before, these heirlooms, things like that. And I need to know, Jamini, how do I save these seed? And, and, you know, can I just save seed from like anything I'm growing? Uh, you know, how, how does seed saving work? When do you collect seed? How, help me get started down this path. Cause I, I mean, even though, yes, I call myself a horticulture educator. Um, I've actually never gone down the path of seed saving before. Yeah, well, I mean, you can basically save seeds from everything, but just because you save them doesn't mean that they're automatically going to be good quality or you'll get the plants that you want um, at the other end of it when you grow those seeds out. So it is really best to do a little bit of planning. So sometimes seeds, sometimes plants might need to be isolated from each other to get the best quality seeds. So the easiest plants to save seeds from, um, especially if you're just starting out, which it sounds like you might be, um, is to save seeds from plants that complete their life cycle in one year and they're self-pollinated. So think about, you know, flowers like zinnias or even tomatoes are easy to save seed from. So a good time to collect your seeds is usually in the fall, but it really depends on the plant. So you might know that the plant, the fruit is ready to be harvested for seed if the skin is really hard or maybe changes color, or possibly if the seed head gets dry and is browning. Um, so you can tell that the seeds are ripe with those clues. So this summer I grew some Heirloom tomatoes, um, are there any specific steps that I need to take in order for saving those seeds? That's awesome, Katie. I love storing tomato seeds, especially heirloom tomatoes. Um, what's interesting about tomatoes and other plants that have these fleshy fruits with kind of gel-coated seeds is that um, those seeds need to be fully dried before storing them. If you were to just try and store the seeds without processing them first, you'd probably get a lot of mold problems. So with fleshy fruits, with those gel-coated seeds, you actually want to scoop out the seeds of your tomato plant um, or crush the fruit. Basically get the seeds out however you can and put them in a glass jar with a little bit of water. So you're actually going to let those seeds ferment for two to four days. So you want to stir that jar every day. And eventually what will happen is the viable seeds that you want to save 
will sink to the bottom of your jar and the pulp, the gel casings, and the bad seeds will actually float. So you can get rid of all that stuff at the top of your jar. You can pour off um, the rest of your seeds, maybe on a paper towel or a frying screen to then dry them for longer before you're storing them. So you really do want to ferment them because that helps break down that gel coat before you store them. All right. So then once we, we've kind of we've gone and, and processed our seeds, so to speak, how exactly should we go about kind of keeping them over the winter so they're ready to go? come spring when we want to plant them. Yeah, so I've already mentioned some of these key words like moisture and dry. And the most important things with storing seeds is to make sure that they're stored in a cool and dry place. So after processing your seeds, you've made sure that they're dried and they're ready to be saved. I like to store my seeds in labeled paper envelopes or paper bags. I usually have a lot of those extra so I don't have to buy any extra materials. Since those bags are porous, which unlike plastic, they can absorb moisture and let moisture be released. So I'll keep my envelopes either in an old shoebox or in a tin and store them in a cool, dry place. You can also put your envelopes or bags in a glass jar, but if you did that, you'd want to make sure you had something absorbent. So like a desiccant, think like the stuff that comes in your shoebox when you buy new shoes. Um, that will absorb water for more long-term storage. A glass jar is also great if you're worried about animals. I don't know if you people might be storing their seeds in their garage or something like that. I usually suggest a basement because you want to avoid temperature fluctuations like you might get in your garage. So in your cool, dry basement is a great place to store your seeds. Yeah, I was wondering about those anti-desiccant baggies that I'm always so tempted to eat, but they say not to. Uh, so yeah, th that's a good good tip to uh, keep them dry. And actually, we planted beans this year, and I know they were in the master gardener shed outside over the winter. Zero percent germination. I had a bag of beans that I that was a few years old in the in my basement. We used those instead. Had about seventy percent germination. Not all of them sprouted, but you know the ones that were a year old versus the ones that were a couple years old. You know, storage is, is pretty important for that. Yeah, that's great. And you can also buy those desiccant packets um, online for pretty cheap. So I don't recommend using the ones that you find in your shoebox and reusing them, but you can get them pretty cheap and it really does help with the long-term viability of your seeds. Well, that is fantastic information. And we have a lot of questions that have also come in from folks that have contacted the Extension Office uh, over Facebook. And so, Jaminy, if you don't mind leading us down the path even further into uh, seed saving for some of these folks, we're going to dive into homeowner questions. Let's do it. All right. Our first question uh, comes from Knox County. Uh, and this person wants to know, uh, how do they save uh, seed potatoes? Uh, and they're also asking about bare root onion, I guess onion that they pulled out of the ground. They want to save these for planting next spring. Uh, so, so Jaminy, uh, what do you think in terms of seed potato? And then I'm kind of confused about the bare root onion. Maybe let's clarify that a little bit. What do you think? 
Yeah, so for both these plants, um, cool and dry storage is key again. Um, for saving potatoes, you'd want to pick your very best potatoes to save as your seed potatoes. Or better yet, at the beginning of the year, plant a row of potatoes spe specifically for this purpose. When you're harvesting those potatoes you want to save, you have to be really gentle. Harvesting is the time where the potatoes might get damaged and you really don't want to damage the skin because that's just an invitation for bacteria um, to get into your potato. You have to dry them before you store them. So you want to set them somewhere in good sunlight for about three to four days. And you have to make sure that there's really good air circulation around them. So I would suggest even putting a fan out there. Once that they once they've dried, you can brush off any of your loose soil, label the potatoes and store them in a cool, dark, frost free place. So because to potatoes are so susceptible to viruses, your stock over the years might actually result in smaller potatoes um, just because of how susceptible they are. So don't worry about that. You might have to buy new stock in a couple years, but you'll still be able to get a few good years of harvesting your potatoes. So if you harvested some onions this year and you wanted to plant them for next year, I would suggest that that is probably not the best way to go. Onion sets that are usually used um, for planting for the year later are a special kind of onion. They're smaller, they are in their first year growth, and I usually just buy those from a grower to plant in the spring. But if you had large onions that you had harvested, you could cure them and to save them for the fall and the winter. So for curing onions before storing, you want to harvest them and then keep them in a warm, area that's really well ventilated for about two to four weeks. So I'm talking somewhere around 75 to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. And you want to do that until the outer bulb scales are really dry and the neck of the onion is tight. So that's where the leaves meet the bulbs. And so that area should start to shrivel. So this step is really crucial because without proper curing, the onions will rot in storage which has happened to me plenty of times. So onions keep longer in cooler temperatures. So as you're storing them to use throughout the fall and winter, you want to store them between 35, 40 degrees. So they shouldn't freeze, but you don't want them to get higher than 40 degrees Fahrenheit because they will start to sprout. So make sure that they're not piled on top of each other as you're storing them and make sure that they have really good air circulation. All right, so our next question comes from McDonough County, um, and they want to know what the best time is to plant garlic, um, and can they use what they get from the grocery store when it comes to planting garlic? So the best time to plant garlic is in the fall, usually before the first hard frost in your area. In Illinois, that's usually in October sometimes, but I have planted them as late as November. I think last year I planted them in November, and it worked out fine. It's really just... Um, you want to make sure that they don't have new growth that might freeze. So you want to give them enough time um, in the fall. So I recommend people buy garlic from either local growers or even online because there's just a lot of variables with grocery store bought 
bulbs. So they might have been treated to prevent sprouting or they might be from a different climate that's not suitable for Illinois. They also might be really old. The garlic that you buy in the grocery store could have been stored for a year or longer. So I've tried growing garlic from store-bought bulbs and I'll tell you it was not successful. So I would go the I would go the local grower or buying them online route. I'm gonna say this year I'm gonna try to I'm gonna hold back some of our garlic that we grew this year and try to plant out some of those just to see how it works out. I've also ordered some just to be safe, but we'll see how the, the saving from from this year and planting works out. The last three falls we've um, planted garlic the first weekend of November, and it's been fantastic every year. So I think that's a good time. You typically soak your garlic before you plant them. Plant all the larger bulbs first, and then if I if I have more space, I'll do the smaller ones, or I'll just use the smaller ones to cook with. But I don't do anything special. I just put them in the ground. Uh, so our next question comes from Morgan County. Could pecan trees be grown in a tub for a few years? What is the best way to start pecan seeds? So I can take a stab at this one since this is my area. Um, so you could grow um, pecan seeds in a tub. Um, just keep in mind that pecans can get or rather large trees. So this would not be a necessarily a good idea for a long-term solution. Um, if you're going to be growing them in a tub, make sure there's you know, adequate drainage and stuff. You don't want to get a, basically you don't want to get a storage tub and just put some soil in there and grow them. You got to make sure you have that um, drainage in there so you don't get soggy soils and you don't rot your seeds and stuff. Um, from a little bit of reading I've done about this, um, seeds, uh, pecan seeds kind of need a, a cold stratification, so kind of like our, our milkweeds and some other plants out there. Um, so typically what's done is that you can put them in some sand, like three inch layer of sand, uh, make sure that's moist, put that in the refrigerator or, or cool area somewhere between 35, 40 degrees um, and do that um, for about 90 to 120 days. So if you, it would, I guess it would be possible if you want to do them directly in the tub, go ahead, plant the, put those seeds in the tub, put those in a area that's going to be cooler, maybe a garage or something like that, something that's going to stay, you know, below 40 degrees so you can get that stratification and then hopefully um, they will start germinating for you. Um, in the spring, you could probably leave them in there for maybe a, a couple of years, but then you're going to have to take them out um, and transplant them if you want to keep them long term. All right. And then our next question uh, comes from McDonough County again. Um, this person wants to know if they can save their seeds from their pumpkins this year and grow some for next year. You absolutely can save your seeds, but you have to isolate them. You have to isolate your flowers if you want something that looks like a pumpkin. So what's interesting is summer squash, pumpkins, gourds, they're all actually the same species. So they're all cucurbita pepo. And so that means that they can all cross pollinate with each other. So the seeds you get wouldn't grow out to be the pumpkin that you're expecting unless you isolate varieties from each other. So you can do that by just growing one kind of pumpkin. So if you don't have other stuff growing in the area, then there's no danger of cross pollination. But you do want to watch out for cross pollination between different varieties of the same species. So I can add in there, my, my mom had grown some uh, was delicata squash and some pumpkins last year um, and had some volunteers come up this year. So she's got nice round pumpkins that are striped 
like delicata. So I, I have no idea what they taste like, but it just kind of goes to show you how those can kind of mix and you end up with something you don't necessarily intend. Yeah, and I know a lot of, you know, community gardens or home growers that have pumpkins that grow out of their compost piles, you know, that they let continue to grow because they think they'll get a nice orange pumpkin at the end and it's always some fun strange colored fruit yeah compost plants are always are always interesting and fun as a very common question that we get can what will this be when yes. i let it fruit and yeah it usually and it is kind of interesting to see what they get uh someone they they got a white pumpkin where they're like you know we didn't have any white pumpkins nearby but here we go we got white pumpkins so that's pretty cool and then for your last question is from Facebook. Um, this person wants to save cucumber seed. Do they need to let the cucumber sit on the vine? How do they know when to pick it? Yes. So the cucumbers that we eat and harvest, we actually are harvesting immature fruits. So we're harvesting them when the seeds are small and so we can just eat the whole cucumber. But in order to save seeds from cucumbers, you actually have to grow them until they're completely ripe. So as the cucumber matures and the seeds develop, the cucumber will get really big, so it's not going to be the normal sized cucumber that you would harvest to eat that day. But eventually it'll change color and it will turn from that green color to like a yellow or even sometimes bright orange. So that can be up to several weeks after you would have usually harvested them to eat. So once they're that color and they're big and they're mature, you can process the seeds like you would do the tomatoes. So you have to go through that fermentation process before you save the seeds. So cucumbers are a really great example of you can save the seeds at the end of the year, but with a little bit of planning next year, you can get more high quality seeds because you do again have to separate varieties so I don't know about all your listeners but I grow cucumbers in my community garden plot and so I can't control for what everybody in my community garden is growing we're all growing different kinds of cucumbers and they're not isolated from each other so it's if I were to save seeds from my cucumber it would not look like the cucumber variety that I was expecting. So with a little bit of planning, you might get way better seeds if you just isolated them, isolated your varieties, or um, made sure that they were far apart. And when you talk about isolate, do you know how far you would have to do that? How far apart they would have to be? Yeah, so for cucumbers, Seed Savers Exchange says maybe 800 feet. So pretty far. I don't have that much room in my garden, so, <laughs> and I always underestimate how much room I even need to begin with when it comes to pumpkins and cucumbers, and they're growing all over everything else, so I, I cannot socially distance my cucurbits, that's for sure. So another way that you can isolate your varieties is using a physical barrier, like paper bags or um, mesh bags but then you would have to hand pollinate your cucumbers. If you really wanted um, a true isolated variety, hand pollination might be worth it for you, but I'm not sure that everybody would take that step. 
So for more seed saving tips, you could check out Illinois Extension, our website, and also Seed Savers Exchange has really great resources for home seed savers. Well, that was a lot of wonderful information. Jamie, thank you so much for being on the show today and uh, talking about seed saving. And you know what? I think I have a plan put together uh, to save some of the, the heirloom tomatoes that we've been growing this year and grow them again next year. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And all right, folks, we are a recorded program, but you can send us your home gardening questions any time of the day, week, holidays, doesn't matter. We are here. Uh, We will put contact information for us down below in the show notes. The Good Growing Podcast, it is produced by Wendy Ferguson and edited by me, Chris Enroth. Our hosts today, Ken Johnson and Katie Parker. Ken, Katie, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone. Let's do it again next week. Speaking of next week, we already have our guests lined up. We are going to have Bruce Black, and he's going to be talking to us about storing the harvest. So today we're talking about seed saving and getting us going next year. Next week, Bruce is going to talk to us about how we store some of these veggies that we've grown this year and consume them then throughout the winter. And hopefully they make it through... Well, let's say January. That's that's kind of my goal whenever I store something. It's like, ah, eh, if it can make me to January, that kind of gives me over that, that winter hump, I think. Well, listeners, thank you so much for doing what you do best, and that is listening. Keep on growing.